Welcome to the STR Chronicles with your host, Morgan J. Ingram. This is the source for motivation, tips, and skills for all aspects of your sales, sales development, and entrepreneurial journey. I'm OG, y'all new to the game. So in this episode, this is great for you all that are looking to still grow within your organizations during these times and a great way to get a new job for those of you who are in a situation where you may have been laid off. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. I did this like months ago, but it's applicable to what's happening now. What's going on, everybody? This is Morgan J. Ingram here, host of the SDR Chronicles, bringing you motivational tactical and tips on your SDR career, account executive career and entrepreneurial career as I believe that sales development is the vocal mantra point um, for your career and also of your life because we use it every single day. And today I have Dallas Hoganson who's been in an array of executive VP sales leadership roles. And I brought him on here today because he has a lot of great perspectives on a lot of things. And that really dives into the topic of today, which is understanding what's the VP perspective or the executive perspective on SDRs entry level sales positions and what you should be doing to grow in your career and foster a career that will actually be something that you'll be proud of at the end of the day. So Dallas, tell us a little bit more about yourself and then why you're excited about this topic today. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. It's been, it really has been a, a pleasure for me to watch you grow over the last couple of years and, and build this personal brand to be one of the top voices on LinkedIn. It's just, uh, you know, an amazing feat. And I'm glad that you have a voice to kind of uh, tell your story to the people that watch this podcast. I think it's important. And what you're doing is uh, nonetheless incredible. So uh, a little bit about me in the background is, is very simple. Like I've always come in as one of the first um, revenue executives to help build out and scale an organization, right? So helping with the go-to-market strategy, putting the teams in place, uh, making sure that we operationalize uh, the business to get um, some level of predictability at scale. And uh, also kind of put in like the core technology stacks and drive where our core customers are going to be, at least in that first iteration, whether it's from one to 10, you know, 10 to 50 million and, and 50 to 100 million. And so, um, you yeah, helping build out the process teams and uh, at those different types of companies. I've done that in San Francisco, New York, um, Europe, and now recently landed in Denver, which uh, at this point I think is home for us. It's a beautiful city and there's a a really interesting air about what's happening here from the technology standpoint and also the sales technology standpoint. So I'm uh, really excited to see what uh, Denver has to uh, hold for me in the future. Awesome. Yeah. And, I, and I've been to Denver uh, a couple times. Uh, also been out to Boulder as well. It's great, great place. If you guys have not been there, it's definitely cool, cool atmosphere. And so let, let's dive into it. So absolutely. before we go into like the questions that, you know, I, I'm going to dive into, I first want to ask you, when you got into your, your VP of sales roles and your leadership roles, was it what you thought it was? And then, and then once you actually were in it, how did you handle all the stress and things that were, that were thrown at you? Well, that's a, an incredible question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Um, so what's really interesting about that is that when you get into that world, you're on the clock, right? Um, and there's a lot more at stake and a lot of people don't realize. I mean, I'm sure they do realize from an outside context, but at that point you're reporting to the board um, you're reporting to the executive leadership team. Um, you're driving revenue, and people's livelihoods are at stake at that point. 
And so uh, it becomes a much different process, a much different thought process, and then execution is is paramount uh, when you're building your teams and, and uh, you know operations for the organization. And so I, I look at that. Uh, to me, it's the most fun aspect of any type of role I could possibly do. And that's because you got to compete every day. Right. right. Um, and as much as you want to go look at that scoreboard and be like, yeah, we went from one to 30 million or we just hit the hundred million mark. What really you have to keep good focus on and perspective on is how you're lining up and competing every day. Are we hitting those metrics and objectives to get us to these end focal points? Right. Um, are we, are we being critical enough? Are we evaluating our situation enough to understand, is this the right process? Do we have the right people and are we nurturing and growing those type of things? And so not only at that world, which is much different um, from the sales development or even like the first time AE is you're thinking short term, you're, you're thinking midterm. Uh, you're also thinking long term. Um, but you're thinking about not only the people internally, but your uh, board or your investors externally too. And so um, perspective of the business has to be significantly different than um, what I call kind of like the horse with blinders on uh, right. when you're in, a, in an IC role. Absolutely. No, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. And we appreciate that perspective. So it kind of goes to the next question, which is you've managed reps, you've managed leaders, obviously from the entry level position, you've been in an IC role. How do we prevent reps from being short-term and actually think long-term out of their careers, especially from an entry-level standpoint? This is, so that's a good question. I think, you know, uh, if you look just, I'll talk just the technology, technology skills landscape is that we're kind of, it's a product of our own environment is that uh, there's so much growth. Um, there's so many new opportunities is that, you know, people want to continually jump, jump, jump and jump. Right. And actually, uh, for better or worse, like what I tell kind of younger reps at this point, just from a pure monetary and education standpoint, is that after this 15 to 18 month period with an organization, you should be thinking about floating your resume around, talking to other companies, because you can actually get that 30 to 40 percent pay increase in places like the Bay or in New York City. Right. right. However, um, there is some downside to that. So when we think about this short term aspect, what I'm seeing today and we're having a lot of conversations around this and actually Sam Jacobs on the, um, I think it was on his last um, kind of Friday, like uh, thoughts on the podcast and sales hacker podcast talked about, um, we do definitively know that if you're coming into this world, you should be spending at least 16 to 24 months in a role as a sales development rep. Right. Uh, there is a significant decline in your productivity um, and the delta between you and your peers that have done that. And so I think what's really important, and, and here's what I'll lay out for the short-term mindset to think about a long-term flip, is that when I look back on my process as, a, as an IC or just brand new into technology sales, what I looked at is that, okay, I have a core responsibility of job to do. Once I do that, the rest is additive. And so every single morning, what I would do is I would get there uh, I would take the 509 bus into downtown San Francisco, turn on lights, make coffee, and I would be charging as hard as I possibly could until about noon, one o'clock. And we, we had a transactional base sell, and so I could get a lot through the day, you know, 100 calls and things like that. But after that, what I would do, understanding that, okay, if this is the short-term process, the long-term process is the building companies, running, running teams, and building out revenue streams, right? And so I would get on LinkedIn every day, and I would prospect on my own 
Morgan, I'm running into this challenge. I saw that you were in a similar type of business with a similar type of go-to-market strategy. How did you solve this? Can I buy you coffee? Can I walk you through my problem? Would you, have, would you mind educating me on this, right? And then it's not just like, oh, well, can I get you coffee? It's like, hey, I'm having a real problem. I know you're going through this at your business. And then I'm taking that information and I'm learning from that and applying it back to my own role. And so when you think about the short-term aspect of an SDR today, think about that as like your MBA your extension of college because you really do get a free two years where you can make mistakes. Um, you can ask questions that are probably not the smartest questions yeah. and, and people are, are really fresh eyes and fresh faces um, at that point. And so I think what people need to do is just flip that mindset. You're going to make anywhere from, you know, 60 to 90 K depending on the role. That's great money. Right. And so take that time to understand that you can learn. And, and execute on those learning principles. Absolutely. And, and do you believe that because people come into this, the role, what, their expectations are really high. Like, okay, I'm going to get promoted in six months. And I think it's actually the, the bridge group study. I think it's like people that get promoted yeah. in less than 12 months. It's like 80, it's like, it's like 70. It's like, it's like 70. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Fail. And then like, if you like 14, 18 months plus or whatever, like you're like a 40% fail rate, which is yeah. a drastic difference. So yeah. what, why is the expectation so high? Like who's telling people like, Hey, you can come in for six months and all of a sudden start being an A and making six figures. That's, that's very, very aggressive coming out of college, you know, and, and thinking about your long-term career. So is that social media? Is that what's been professed out there? Is it just perception? Like, where's that coming from? I think it's all the above, right? So if you think about, if you think about that is, and here, and here's why, and you know this really well, is that we, optionality became much greater. We went from a few, like back in 2012, you know, 2011, we went from a couple hundred different, whether they're platform or point solutions in sales technology and just like the SDR concept really coming out of that, you know, Aaron Ross and Salesforce and, and really started at, uh, you know, Oracle a long time ago, kind of progressed the way it made a, a name for itself and in uh, Salesforce. But reality is it wasn't options. Like you had to sit in that role, you had to go through the process. And at that time, like, you know, Salesforce had a definitive system. But today what happens is that you get uh, product founders and technical founders, or you get a lot of first time VPs or like, we know that sales development is something that we need to generate leads, which I wholeheartedly agree with. If the economics of the business makes sense. It's a really good way to generate revenue. But uh, to looking today, we have 7,500 plus different sales technology solution provider companies, right? And so it's almost advantageous for them to think in a much more, uh, in, a, in a clip that's a lot quicker is because their personal gain could be um, a lot larger. But also too, is with more companies, with more pressure in the market, higher expectations of the role, um, you're going to have that downward pressure where you need to get through people quicker. You need to hire to keep up momentum of revenue to, right. to take that funding. So it's kind of this downward death spiral. And so I think if people have the patience um, to really think about this as an education platform for them to really understand how they grow their career, I will see a different result from the people coming in because everybody that I've hired has been in that role is like, I want out now. I want out now. I want out now right. as well. I don't trust you in front of an executive board. I don't, I don't trust you in front of, you know, executive leadership at this point. And so until we can get through that step, at least I'm not thinking about it. Absolutely. No, those are great points across the board. And that, and then that goes into, okay, you said, I don't trust you in executive board. I don't trust you in executive team, which really comes down to knowledge and insights and be able to have a professional conversation. So what is the best way to encourage reps to be learning outside of work? Because you're not going to be able to learn all this stuff to talk to an executive and become have an executive presence and understand that perspective unless you start reading what they're reading. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that is, if people take away something into 2019, like this is so key to everybody, not just the sales development, but everybody and what they do um, should be uncomfortable, right? Like I always think about is one foot in the black, right? One foot in the dark. If you're always in a place where you don't know what's happening, that means you're learning, gaining knowledge and things like that. And especially around the business perspective, um, this is where you see the young people really excel and exceed past their peers. Mm -hmm. Are they doing simple things? Like, are they reading the journal, Wall Street Journal every morning? Um, you know, do they have, do they have like, do they have that on their TV? And well, actually I have, you can actually see this. I'm, I'm watching it right now. Power yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, are, are you, can you, you constantly reading? Are you constantly listening to podcasts? Are you constantly reaching out to people to figure out how you solve problems? And you know what? That takes a lot of work. That's where the real work comes in. People think that the real work is accomplished, you know, within the office. Uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. The nine to five aspect is where you get and execute on your job. Before and after is where you build and grow um, your mind, um, your skill sets and things like that. And it takes a lot of patience, curation, and you have to prospect on your own, show up at events, right? What are all the local events? What are all the companies that got founded? Are you reaching out to those guys asking, what are they going to do with that money? Um, who are they? Who are the sales leaders in this market that have good visibility or presence like yourself? Are you reaching out? Are you asking questions? Are you getting involved? Um, and to be honest, you know, what I ended up doing, I came from the finance world and I ended up reading 200 books in my first two years yeah. around sales, leadership, marketing, startups, growth strategies, financial strategies. And I consumed every single piece of content, um, you know, that I could get my, my hands on. I and mean, even today, I'll even show you, like, actually, before we were hanging out, I'm reading a new Nick Saban book and, and taking a bunch of notes on, on Nick Saban's oh, leadership philosophy. Gotta, gotta be always taking notes. It, it's, I mean, like, it's, everybody seems like there's some special sauce, but the reality is, like, I think the hard work is outside of nine to five. Yeah. And internally, it's how good do you want to be? Right. And that's that competitive nature that I think has stuck with me from this way my family taught me from playing, you know, football in college, from going through the finance ranks because I came out of college. Absolutely. Is that um, if you're willing to do that, you will get there because a lot of people are not doing that. Um, but there's a lot of specifics around books and podcasts and all that type of stuff that I'm, you know, happy to share insight on too. Yeah, I love it. And I think you bring up a great point, which is, you know, I always tell people like, Outside is the nine, outside of the nine to five is where you thrive. Like if you're not doing yeah. outside the nine to five, it really doesn't matter because you always have to be thinking about what are people not doing? That's, I predicate my life on what are people not doing? So what are people yeah. not doing? They're probably not waking up five thirty six o'clock. I'm definitely not doing that. What are people yeah. not doing? They're not going out to go, you know, I got a new book too. I got one um, to, to sell as human. So I just grabbed Great this. Yeah. Great I just book. grabbed this the other day. Some, someone recommended it to me. Right. And it's like, you always got to continuously be learning or getting insights because there's so many people who don't even do it. And I actually read a stat and it's 47% of people after college never read anything ever again. So obviously they read textbooks, 47% of people never pick up a book or read anything ever again after college. That's crazy. That's, like, that's, un that's unbelievable. It's I don't think I started reading until after college, to be honest with you. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, that is just insane to me that people are like not even thinking about, hey, I'm not going to pick up a book anymore. Well, so this is an interesting point that, you know, just kind of popped in my head when you bring that up is that when I look through 
you know, my conversations and, 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 you know, meeting so many other great sales leaders and, and things like that is that it's kind of just two things is that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all making it up at some level. Right. Yeah. And so what I'm doing is, uh, one, this is a very lonely world when you're a sales leader, like you, 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 you rely on your peers to get inside and feedback. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're, and you don't have that cushion that your the VCs have and the founders have like our tenure of the job is down from 18 months to 16 months. Like it's, it's, it's shrinking. Right. And so it's really hard to execute on revenue strategies when they're demanding so much, but, uh, I, when I, when I, I think I'm losing my point here, but whatever, like when I, what I was thinking about this is that, like if I'm not reading, I'm not picking up those little tidbits to bring to my daily job, to bring to the execution of getting better, like this incremental uh, way of getting better. So I think incremental revenue, incremental education, uh, learning and knowledge and things like that. Because if I can add one more thing to your process that makes you ultimately 1% better, well, then I know if I can apply that across the organization or to um, the, the, the rest of the ecosystem that we work in, Absolutely. overall the business, we're going to grow. Yeah, no. And that's, and that, again, that's a great point. And that, and you also got to think about like for everyone listening, like to be, understand the perspective of where people are coming from, like listen to them, right? There's all sorts of podcasts that make have podcasts. The one that we're currently doing right now, I've been other sales hackers got a podcast, right? There's, there's a ton. And the thing yeah. at the end of the day, there's people getting interviewed that you're either prospecting want to be like, or we'll give you insights for free. And then you don't have to, you have to pay for these podcasts. So definitely take the time to do that as you're commuting and you're not doing anything that you're, you're traveling, you listen to music, just pop on a podcast and get some insights. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had, I had more of these resources six, seven years ago. Yeah. They weren't there. I was, you know, crammed into a book all night when I was sleeping under my desk when we were building out the last company. And so um, it was a different strategy, but uh, thankful that I had to figure it out right um, on my own. Absolutely. So it's moving into the next part. Cause we both mentioned, you both, you mentioned this six, seven years ago, wish you had this knowledge. You mentioned, Hey, you did a lot of stuff in finance and you mentioned about college and we talked about people not reading after college. So why are more people talking about sales as a profession in college? And I know it's like rising, but when I was in college, no one mentioned that I could ever go into sales. It wasn't even a conversation. I mean, uh, this is a little bit alarming, you know, to be quite honest, but I get it. And here's why. I didn't know what sales was in college. I didn't know what sales really was until I left the finance world. And one of my closest friends and entrepreneur slash poker player buddy, he was like, you need to go do sales. And I was like, what is it? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I was like, Luck, lucky enough, it really worked out in my favor because it was an easy insertion point in the technology world where I didn't have to have a technical skill. Yeah. And this comes back to your question is that, I think one of the reasons that we see, what is it, like 17 or 18 universities offering some type of minor or major in sales at this point, um, there's not very many. And what I think is the mistake is actually really simple. So you talk about accreditation, right? We have accreditation in accounting. We have accreditation in finance and things like that. And what that does, that actually funnels money back down to the education right. system. And that is a very static way of thinking, in my opinion. And I think the reason that we fail in the university setting is we actually call it sales, not revenue, right? Um, sales is still snake oil. Sales is still shady. Sales still feels that some type of connotation. It just doesn't feel right, right? Where people are like, I don't want to be a sales guy. Well, the reality is we're all sales individuals, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's your family, whether it's negotiating, whatever. And we all do it on a daily basis multiple times. But if I think about this as a, a building block for our future. I think we need to change 
what we're doing in the university system to talk about revenue because revenue is a really interesting problem. Um, there are operational components. Um, there are demand gen components. Um, there are really understanding your core buyer. And then sales is the end thing. It's always the end thing. It's like, do we have a product? Do we have a market? Um, do we have a good branding and marketing strategy? Um, can we operationally predict how we're going to make that sale? And what is our selling strategy, right? It's kind of like the end of the rope. And so uh, I, I wish, you know, I wish that there was more because I see how important it is. And I see how important it has been um, in my life, not only to meet people, but to um, have a life that is, is comfortable and nice and giving opportunity. Mm. Uh, I just wish I would have known more about it earlier because um, I think it could have made a difference earlier in, in, in the way I thought about things and the way I did things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that makes, that makes a ton of sense. Cause you know, that's, it really all stems from where you start, you know, like if you have the right knowledge earlier, you're going to do better later. It just makes sense. So it's compound, in, compound interest, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know, now, so it's great. Like, you know, some people never know, right. It's like 40. I just found the content. It's like, Whoa, okay. That's crazy. But again, we all start somewhere, but want to get people thinking like you need to start thinking about like what you can do to get easily better, which, which goes into the next question. Cause this is probably the answer to that question, but how do I learn more about sales or being executive or understanding different perspectives? If my leader is bad. Sure. Well, let's like, let's put this up into a couple of things because I think um, if you're going to learn more about sales, think as a funnel top down, right? Yeah. So at the, at the top of this funnel, what's really important is, is really broad macro concepts. Um, how does the world work? What are interest rates doing? How does that affect our buyers? Um, you know, what is happening in the day-to-day -day world? You need to understand those as a sales individual, because if you can't go in and add value to an organization, you know, you're just the guy calling me asking, what are your goals? You know, yeah. um, who signs off on it? Well, I don't, I don't want to talk to you at that point, but if you're coming to me with like, Hey, listen, I understand um, you know, based on what you're doing and where the market's going, like it's tightening down your budget, whatever it is, right? And you have that type of value or that type of perspective. Like I'm really a lot more interested because I think you can solve my problems. And so when I think about this learning concept of sales as, as looking back and wish, if I were to do it again, here's what I've done. I would understand the broader economic um, concepts a lot more deeper. And luckily coming from a finance world, that was an easy thing for me to, to translate into conversations. Um, second to that, I would have paired it more with like psychology, paired it more with leadership, paired it more with conversational skills or public speaking skills and match these learning concepts as I went down the funnel. Um, and at the very end, got very technical about how I approached the sale, about how I set an agenda, how I discovered um, the problem and how I actually added value within the organization and brought the people together. Mm. And so, you know, I think that a lot of people are like, I want this point solution. I want to read this sales book and it's going to solve everything. Well, you're missing a broader piece of the pie. And so that's why your conversations aren't getting better. And, and that's why you're not progressing as fast as you want to, in, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, but I do see the people who understand the, the holistic value of things do a lot better and move a lot more quickly um, through their careers. And that goes back to the second part of the question, which you brought up was this idea of like, how do I know if a leader is bad? Or how do I know if like a manager is bad? Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit unfair because everybody's at a different stage. Um, and everybody has a different training grant or approach or a different sales cycle and things like that. But, um, and, and I think you probably agree. We do such a bad job at training frontline sales managers to be really good at what they do. Cause most of the time they come in, they're a good seller. They promote through the ranks or a team lead and they're like, okay, we're going to go let you manage. But, um, what we fundamentally miss the point is that, are they great with the numbers? Do they understand, um, 
you know, what that really means at the end of the day. Well, what type of pipe coverage do we need? What happens if we're doing this? What happens if the pipe balloons here? And how does that translate downstream to coaching strategies um, and execution strategies that actually can develop a rep a lot more? But what I think you can do as an SDR or someone that's new in your career is come to that person with a plan with a roadmap and you have to do this every quarter, right? Is because a sales manager's job is spread in so many different ways. It's actually one of the hardest jobs to execute on uh, within an organization is because you're underdeveloped, underprepared and you're spread really thin. And so you never get to really tighten down a lot of the skill sets. And so what you do see is a lot of reps like, oh, this is broken or this problem is here. But what I actually would like to see is a much more proactive approach around this is that, hey, listen, I am struggling getting into these conversations. I am doing the 60 dials. I am doing the 100 emails. Can we break apart? Can we bifurcate this process a little bit, break this apart and start practicing each part and reviewing it, right? And this is where you actually really get good, the review. If you talk to the best poker players in the world, they'll play for two hours and they'll review for nine hours, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's the same concept. And so you should be listening to your calls. You should be doing the things everybody's telling you to do. But you're going to make a lot more progress in your learning and your career growth. If you come every quarter with that 90 day plan, here's what I'm going to execute on. Here's where we agree that we need to get better. Um, here's where you said I need to get better. I'm going to hold you accountable to that as a manager. Right. Um, and so a lot of the stuff actually has to come from the rep to, to do that, whether the manager is good or not. If the manager is good, he's going to really add a lot of additive value to those conversations. If not, it's going to be like, oh, this sounds good, right? So look out for, for things like that. But um, I, whole, whole, I wholeheartedly believe at this point is that, um, you know, I think we're unfair to a lot of the, the levels of management in sales, but we are, uh, we're, we're not doing good enough at preparing the actual reps to make the managers better. And so I think it actually operates in, in kind of this twofold environment. Absolutely. And it's really, and you touched on it was understanding that the rep, the rep themselves has to take it upon themselves to go learn. And then additionally, you can use external networks, right? You got LinkedIn, you have Twitter, people are willing to always provide insights and advice as well. I mean, I still prospect every day. Hmm. And I don't sell anything on LinkedIn, but I just try to introduce myself, try to meet somebody, um, try to spend time with them, try to understand what they're looking for and help connect if I can. I I'm selfish in the way that I think empathy and helping out people is the most important thing in your career is because if you build a support network and if you build um, these leverage connections at the end of the day, five, 10, 15, 20 years later, like we'll say, I want to go build a company. Well, I'm going to ask these people that I respect and love to help me or advise me or, or join the team. Cool. And so it's this long-term thinking that really can add a lot of value for your career. For sure. And I, and the actually brings up a great point because when I was in college, I reached out to a lot of people that were, executives or within the sports business industry and they responded to me which first of all shot me because i'm in college i don't really provide any value to them at all but the yeah. reason they actually took those calls is because they're like hey look actually you do because we're still trying to learn what's going on within the market from a, obviously younger demographic standpoint and then also like this helps us give knowledge to other people that give us knowledge right so you have you actually reach out to someone and you genuinely want to learn, not trying to sell them something or not trying to ask them for a job. You genuinely are like, I just want to learn. People are actually willing to take you up on that conversation. If you bring good questions, they're going to be willing to help you because you actually took the time to talk to them. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I believe that and I've seen it happen over again. But here's the one caveat. If you 
don't bring good questions. Right. And it's a really bad experience for them. Uh, you lost your chance. And so yeah. show up, show up prepared, um, and and show up ready, ready to you know compete in that conversation, uh, because that person could add a lot of value down the road. And if you mess it up today, it could be gone forever. Right. Right. So exactly. I think that's that's the caveat I see, and I, and I do see both ends of that happen. Like I see people show up and or have conversation, they're just not prepared. They don't have good questions. They're not thoughtful. Mm. Um, they're not really driving like a good process in that. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm wasting, you know, another hour of my day that I can't get back. Absolutely. And that, and that goes back into the, the really goes into the next question, which is when should I approach an executive questions about my role within my company intro level position? I, most people are afraid to do that. Sure. People are scared. Oh, well, what if they say, you know, they have all this control, but the reality is like, you have to set your destiny. I think, and, and this comes for everything. We're not taught this. Like this is actually, if you look back to the university, university and this education system, we're taught to listen, digest information and fill out a rubrics for a test. Mm. That's it. Right. right. Um, and so like, we're actually taught the opposite of what I think is important. It's proactive engagement. And so um, a couple things happen, whether you have a big company, you probably have a defined, you know, two to four to six week, a you know, 90 day onboarding period, that's going to really help you set the tone. Um, if you don't have that and you don't have an onboarding period, you should actually be creating the onboarding process and presenting it to your, your management and leadership team. And so that concept actually carries over is be like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to define what 90 days looks like, what 180 days look like, what a year looks like. And we're going to iterate this as a process together. And what you're going to do there is a couple things is that, um, you're going to be very clear on where you stand because you've documented the process. Right. right. Um, and you're continually engaging. And a lot of times about promotion, it's around what have they done for me lately? And a lot of biasy comes from uh, feedback reviews because you do them once every year or six months and you look at the last three month period. And so if you want to get ahead of that curve, um, you have to be smart and kind of outsmart the system. And you do that by building your roadmaps and things like that. And so I think you, you should be doing that on a monthly basis with your leader. Like, what is my career path? Here it is. Here's the roadmap. We're going to make sure the markers are going. Absolutely. Because here's where you lose people very quickly is that they go, hey, I've been here for 15 months. I'm in the top, you know, 30%. Um, why am I not getting promoted? And then, then it's a feeling. Then it's emotion. And then you get that translated back to the sales floor. Um, they, they have some type of deceitfulness towards you and that like, you know, the relationship dissipates and they're starting to look in market. And so you can get ahead of those things by being proactive and being honest with folks, but uh, it is a two way street. And so I think what I've learned at the end of the day is that always have a plan, always present the plan every, every quarter and make sure that you're, you're as a rep sticking your management team to it because you know, they have a lot on their plate and they might just pass you by. So yeah, and absolutely. And also, you, the biggest thing that people need to understand is like, people can put a name to the face, right? So if you're getting up for promotion, and it's you and somebody else, and you have the same exact numbers, the person that they are more comfortable with, and at least had a conversation with, they're going to trust that they have that promotion. And it sometimes actually comes down to that. But that's yeah. why it's important to like get in front of the executives, because you don't know how that promotion is going to be panned out. Absolutely. I think you're spot on. I mean, and just take your career, right? You you made a huge effort to kind of visualize, conceptualize and storytell everything you did. Mm. Right. And, and, and catalog your journey through that process. And then, and every, I mean, you know, a lot of people have the same job, the same role, but within that, you know, a couple year period, you exploded and they're doing the same role. 
right? Yeah. Well, why is that? You were visible, you were telling the story, you were challenging, you were making, you know, you were, you held a point of view and that got you recognized and visible. And now you're, you know, one of the leaders in what you do around sales training and help motivate young guys just to be better. So I think you're the perfect example of why that's so important. Absolutely. And that was one thing that I was told, you know, when I was having those conversations early in college was like, Hey, you just need to have conversations with people internally in the conversation. You need to share what you're doing. And for a lot of people, that's a scary thing, but you know, I realized at the end of the day, you have to be able to have those conversations because it was interesting because our, you know, former company I was at CEOs always be like, Hey, like, why does no one, you know, reach out to me and want to have conversations and like C-level suite. And I was like, the reason that is, is because most people are just afraid to have a conversation with you. Cause if they say one thing, they might get fired. I'm not saying that you're going to fire them, but that's what most people are afraid of. And that's across every single company of why your reps don't reach out to you. They just don't want to have a conversation because they just feel like they're going to get judged in some way. But I'm telling people don't feel that way. If you approach your executive team and you actually come up with something thoughtful, you take them out to lunch, you get grab coffee with them. You will learn more in that conversation than most. And obviously you're going to prepare yourself for a better career, which has allowed me to get to where I'm at. I've just, I just find people who are just have way more experience. I'm like, yo, what do I do? And then I just do it. I don't even think about it. I'm just like, all right, I'm going to do it. That's it. That's no, all I, I do. No, I, I mean, that's, I think I have the same approach, right? It's like, ah, well, we're just going to do it, right? Yeah. Um, so, but actually, you said something here that is ultimately true. And, and it, the, as you become a manager, as you become uh, a director, or whatever you do, you're farther and farther away from the front line. And so actually like having those conversations for me are, are really important. I'm actually really interested in, okay, well, how are you executing on your day? Where are the inefficiencies lie, right? right? When you're talking to customers, what's not resonating? What type of pieces of content or enablement can we provide you to make sure you execute um, in that point of time uh, to you know, ultimately get it through the next gate or to, to close a deal? And so it, I do think you're absolutely right. We're not, we're not seeing that enough. And a lot of times I'm going to ask those questions. I don't get real answers because they want to be protective answers, right? Um, so if you have a point of view, if you understand what's going on, if you can really pinpoint like where you think a problem can be solved, make sure you put together an, a brief, an executive summary and present that to the leadership team is because I know they're going to be looking at that seriously is because they're so far away a lot of times from the front line. Um, that could greatly improve a lot of things for a lot of people. So don't be shy. I mean, I think that's great advice. Absolutely. And, and Dallas, you brought such a lot of amazing nuggets and points here that I know people will have a lot of takeaways from. And the last question is every single person that comes on the show is, what's your number one piece of advice that you give to SDRs or entry-level sales professionals as they move into the new role? It's a great question. I've been thinking about this one a lot. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's a couple things. Is that um, – you're, you shouldn't be looking at the scoreboard. You should be competing with yourself. You should show up every day, look yourself in the mirror and compete with yourself. Because at the end of the day, what everybody else does does not matter. But you have the opportunity to influence what you do with your time, with your energy, and with the people that you connect with. And so if you're sacrificing on that, well, you're sacrificing on your potential, right? And so I think a lot of people are so caught up in, you know, where I sit on the team, um, what everybody else is doing. But if you have that plan and can sit down and focus, grow, learn, and do it step by step. It's very the John Wooden method, right? Learn how to tie your shoes, put on your socks. Um, and Bill Walsh is one of my favorite books that everybody should read is that um, the score takes care of itself, right? Where he really talks about definitive small process change. 
And so you know, the point is like, don't compete with the people around you. Make sure that you utilize them to go through deal reviews. Make sure you utilize them to understand who your core ICP is, what resonates with them. But make sure you work outside of that nine to five. Put that time in and then, you know, 12 months, you're going to be way ahead. The Delta is going to spread like crazy and you're going to have that opportunity for promotion. Um, I would say that's really the only advice at the end of the day. Control what you can control. Make sure you put the extra time in and utilize the people around you and don't be shy about it. Awesome. Well, Dallas, thank you so much once again for the insights and the knowledge you provided here today. As I always say, guys, keep dialing and I'll see you guys soon.